Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the voice of the Nazarene. Have you ever been down and discouraged and you're groping to find your way? Can I tell you what to do? Open your Bible and read the red words. Those are the words of Jesus. I mean, that's just straight from him. That's what I want to do this morning. I want to read some of the red words out of Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Let's have just a moment of prayer. Father, we come to you. We thank you for our gathering today and those who are joining us by live stream and allowing us to come into their lives and their homes. Those that will be watching by television. Devil's had it long enough. It's time some of God's people use some of the very things that we can reach lost people with. And we, we're glad we can slip into many, many thousands of homes and share the gospel of Christ. Even take the radio ministry every Sunday morning and would you somehow give it all the anointing that it needed till people would hear. Anything, Lord, that we've picked up along the way, something we've heard and we've kind of refiltered it and used, we pray, God, give, give somebody else all of the credit. And Lord, we want you to get all of the glory and the praise and the honor this morning. We want the people to get all of the help. Just simply allow us to be a conduit, just a channel. That's all we ask. And like Samson of old, one more time, would you come upon us and, and anoint and uh, speak to hearts. Just speak through us, we pray, in Christ's name, amen. Here's the red words, the very words of Christ. Matthew 28, verse 18, and uh, incidentally, we welcome all of our guests this morning. We're so glad to have you. I've been here, what, 30 plus years, and I, I don't remember ever having a Sunday morning without guests. Isn't that amazing? In every service, for six years, we went with three services, and we're moved into this sanctuary, and with two services, always so many people that I don't even have a clue who they are, but I'm trying to get acquainted. And maybe before it's all over, I, I will, but thanks for being here. Catch these words, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power, Christ talking, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And then he said, Amen. Did you catch that? He said, I'll be with you even to the end of the, of the world. And when the world comes to an end, we're with him. That's pretty good, isn't it? And I'd like to talk to you just for a few minutes why God put us 
on this earth. Some years ago, USA Today did a survey and a poll, and they, they polled uh, more than 2,000 people. And they asked these Americans, they said, uh, why, if you had one question you could ask God, what would that question be? Just one question. And it was almost unanimous it came back. If we could ask God something, we would ask God, why did you put us on this earth? Why are we here on this earth? Now, I know we're different families and we have different educational backgrounds and we have different occupations. We have uh, different experiences. We're all different. But by and large, at the end of the day, there are only two reasons why we're here. And number one, we're here to know him. You better be sure you know him before the day comes to an end in your life. Whatever amount of time you've got, that's your time to get to know God. And I like 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord's not slack concerning his promises. As some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come. Come. Come to him in repentance. Job said over there in the 22nd chapter, verse 21, acquaint thyself now with thy God. It's time to get acquainted. You better have a name basis. You better know him and talk to him. There will be a day when many will say, and here, rather, depart from me. I know you not. You never got acquainted with God, and you're here to know him. And then another reason is to make him known to others. The poet said, Christ has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in the way, and he has no tongue but our tongue to tell them how he died, and he has no help but our help to bring men to his side. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. When he sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to lodge within us. And the Spirit of God has no hands or feet but yours and no tongue but ours. And so it's quite stressed here in Matthew 28, verses 18 through, through 20. I look at that little passage of scriptures, three little verses, and I notice, first of all, the authority. He says in verse 28, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And Jesus gives his disciples a commission. Their commission. And not only did he give his disciples this commission, he gave to every last one of us that same commission. And it's based on his authority. And this book of Matthew stresses the authority of Jesus Christ. There in chapter 7, verse 29, they said his teaching isn't quite like the scribes. He teaches as one that has authority. These are strange days when it comes to preaching. It either seems like there are speakers and, and uh, people have made their career in the realm of theology, but really no anointing and authority as though there's no call. That's scaring me to death. 
And on the other hand, some have become so mean and so vicious and so demanding that it's certainly not of the Holy Ghost. There needs to be the anointing of the Spirit, but we're preaching the gospel and nothing else. Don't get lost on one little sentence somewhere in the maps and make that your emphasis. Better preach the whole word and nothing but the word, so help me, God. And it says that in Matthew 8, 13, that Jesus had authority to heal people. The Bible said in Matthew 9, 6, that Jesus had the authority to forgive people their sins. Matthew 10, verse 1, Jesus had the authority and the power over Satan. Isn't that good news? That means that Satan has no right or no authority in my life. We can be more than conquerors through him that loved us. You don't have to be bound by temptations and addictions. You can be free of all of that because he who has all authority gives us the authority over those things. And he goes on to say that he has authority over death and hell and the grave. And because of this, we can obey him without fear. I'm just talking about the authority, but when I looked at that verse, I noticed a lot of activity. He moves on, and he said, there's got to be some activity. Look at verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And the good news is in Acts 1.8, we'll receive power from the Holy Ghost so we can accomplish that. Now, we hear a lot of teaching about the Holy Spirit. We hear teaching about the Holy Spirit's power. But why does God want us to have Holy Spirit power? Look at what he said, because you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses. It's the power to be a living witness. Whereat God, he said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, under the uttermost parts of the earth. And where were they? They were in Jerusalem. What's he saying? He's saying, I want you to be a witness right where you're at. Right down there on the job where you're stuck. After you plug in at the time clock, the rest of the day, you need to be a, a living witness. They're going to watch you. They're going to watch you under pressure, how you react. You're a living witness. Down there at this classroom, they're going to watch how you, uh, how you demonstrate God, whether you're ashamed of him or not. It, it's amazing to me. Many times, we'll fly over mission fields to some mission field. We'll cross seas, and we need to just see the cross. There's a mission field, I want to tell you, around us everywhere we're at. People that need God. We're so hung up on so many things that we, and so inhibited with so much that we can't even seem to share, just simply share the love of Jesus Christ around us. If, if, if the church has a little card, look it up, check it out back in the welcome center. If you can find a little card with an address on it or a picture of the church, stick a few in your pocket. When you're getting your hair cut, leave a card. Just invite them. Nobody told you that you had to ask somebody if you were to die right now, would you go to hell? You don't have to. You can use soft touch evangelism. Just begin to invite them to come. Come to Jesus. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. Just come. And when you're stopping at the filling station, leave a little card. Invite somebody. When you're at the restaurant, now if you don't tip, you probably better not leave a card. 
But I'm just saying, there's where the activity is. We're witnesses. We're just sharing. I'm not talking about a hardcore driving evangelism. I'm so talking about soft touch. And every last one of us can do that. But not only the authority and the activity, but you, you say, well, pastor, what about the ability? I'm an introvert, okay? I've taken a few personality tests myself. I might be that introvert. I know I like being alone the older I get, and I'm past 40 now. I really like being alone sometimes. And sometimes I have to push the envelope to do what I do. Do you enjoy people? I do. I love people. But sometimes it can be a big drain. I don't know why, but it can be. Sometimes people deplete me more than they complete me. But let me tell you, we have the ability to do this with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you something to think about. Jesus was here on earth 33 and a half years. For three years, he was with his disciples. One day he said, I've got to come apart before I fall apart. Worn out. Weary. He'd carried the load and fought the devil and tried to reach people and he's carrying the loads of all of those. He's facing the cross. He'll, he'll bear your sin and my sin. And he turns to his disciples and he said, I'm, I'm going to leave. They said, you can't do that. You've been here for three years. He said, that's why I'm leaving. I've, I've got to leave. You've read your Bible, haven't you? He said, that's why I'm leaving. He said in John 16, 17, he said, it's necessary for you that I leave. For if I stay here, I'll only be with you 12. But if I leave, the Holy Spirit will come. And when he comes, he'll be with millions. So I've got to leave so he can come and get into your life and get into your heart and get into the ministry and get into our churches so we can convey the message of Jesus Christ to a lost world. You say, Pastor, I've got family and friends that need to come to Christ. I know. Heavy and it's a load to think about, right? And how can I come? How can they come to know Christ? Can I share just with you several ways that you can impact people for Christ? This message is so simple, you'll think you thought it. How can you impact people, first of all, with your life? Gypsy Smith, he said there are five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Christian. And he said, most people have never read the first four Gospels, but they're reading that last one, for we are epistles no one in read of men. 2 Corinthians 3, 2, ye are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. God wants to get the word into you and you into the word until you literally live the word of God every day before a gainsaying world. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine that others might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's why John 13, 35, 
By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples because ye love one another. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 14, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And if you read the actual content of what that says, it's not talking about you getting into heaven to see the Lord. Without holiness, people looking on, they'll never see the Lord unless they see you living a holy life. You say, Pastor, I want to reach people. Will you do that with your life? Just day in and day out. Living a life. I'm not talking about do's and don'ts. I'm talking about living a Christian holiness lifestyle. But there's a second way. Not only with your life, but with your lips. Understand something. 2% of Christians, only 2% ever share their faith. That means 98% of the Christians, so-called, never share their faith. Church members, it takes 85 church members to reach one person for Christ. That's even worse than carrying out a dead body. I heard that at one church somebody died and they carried out about seven people before they found the right one. A man's unfit to stand in the pulpit and preach if he's not personally sharing his faith. Person's unfit to be a Sunday school teacher if they're not living their faith. Person's unfit to sing in the choir or in the praise team if they're not living out and sharing their faith. Person's unfit to be on the board if they're not sharing their faith. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I've got this introvert personality. I can't do it. Yes, you can. Look at what the Bible said. It said, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. Where's the witness? Right in you. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave his Son. 1 John 5, 10. You may not share your witness, but you have that witness in you. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can help you to get it out of you and to share it with others. So how do I do that, Pastor? Can I give you just four simple ways? Just what, what I believe, what I try to live out. Just share your story. Share your story. Got to understand something. A testimony isn't about how bad you were. It's how good God is. You don't have to have a crime to Christ testimony. You can have a child to Christ testimony. Wasn't for that, I wouldn't have one. Because I wasn't in crime. I came to Christ when I was nine, but I needed him as bad as the gangsters did. I needed God and you needed God. Some of you still need God. Don't use that in the next service. Those are the Latter-day Saints in the next service. Your testimony is not about how bad you were. It's how good God is. Just share your story. And secondly, avoid debates. Don't get into a debate with anybody. He said in Acts 1-8, you'll be my witnesses, not my prosecutors. 
not my judge, not the jury. Ye shall be my witnesses. So avoid that. Do you remember that guy that uh, was born blind and it's John chapter 9 and Jesus touched him and, and immediately they started an inquisition. They said, did this happen on the Sabbath day? Bless God, you won't do it around our church. Not on the Sabbath day. Did, uh, and they called in the Pharisees and then they said, well, let's bring in his mama and daddy and interview them. And rabbinically they thought, it's the sins of the generations being passed on. We can blame mama and dad. And boy, we sit around and do that, don't we? The reason I'm like I am is because of my mom and my dad. And finally, the blind man that could see spoke up and said, well, I don't know what happened. All I can tell you, I was blind. But now I see. Just keep it simple. And avoid confrontations. My third point is keep it simple. 75% of Americans don't know John 3, 16. You say, well, I don't know all the things in the book of Revelation. If they want to start discussing that, I'm lost, fine. You don't have to know all of that. Just keep it simple. And may I say another thing? Ask God to help you. You say, well, I don't know what to say. Well, Luke 12, verse 11, and when they bring you into the synagogues under the magistrates and powers, Take no thought how or what thing you shall answer, what you shall say, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. Boy, that's a relief, isn't it? God's going to help me to say the right thing at the right time. I just need to show up. So how am I going to reach people with my life, with my lips, and may I also add with your loot? You're never more like Jesus than when you give. Your giving won't get you into heaven, but your giving might help somebody else get to heaven. Do I need to repeat that? You didn't seem to get that. Your giving won't get you into heaven, but your giving might help somebody else get to heaven because we bought a little radio time or brought a staff member to help get the gospel out. He could help somebody else get to heaven. It was a Sunday, and it was going to be Pastor Appreciation Sunday. The pastor had been there for 50 years. They're wondering just how can we go about it. This old crowd, they didn't hardly know how to, how to celebrate their pastor. And so they said to their piano player, just a young guy that played every Sunday morning, once in a while, he'd write some kind of a little religious ditty, and they said, well, could you write a song for our preacher tomorrow when we have this appreciation service? He said he guessed he could, and that Saturday night, real late, sat down at the piano and began to softly play and begin to write these words. He said, I dreamed I went to heaven, and you were there with me. We walked upon the streets of gold and beside the crystal sea. We heard the angels singing and Someone called your name. You turned and saw a young man. He was smiling as he came. He said, friend, you may not know me now. He said, just wait. You used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. One day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus into my heart. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm a life that was changed. 
Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad you gave. Then another man stood before me. He said, do you remember the time a missionary came to your church and the pictures made you cry? You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave, and that's why I'm here today. When we enter that beautiful city and saved all around us appear, what a joy it will be to us when they say, you invited me here. Somebody said, you can't take anything to heaven. Oh, yes, you can. You can take people. You can take people. You better get that son of yours. You better get that daughter of yours, better influence them for the kingdom. You don't want them to burn in hell forever. There's a heaven. What about that co-worker? Don't you want to keep them out of hell? Don't you want them to be saved? I hope you do. So we impact people with our life and with our lips and with our loot. But what about our labor? Our labor in prayer, the Bible says in Colossians 4, 12, Paphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, he salutes you, always laboring fervently in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all of the will of God. And he uses the word labor because, hey, prayer is work, isn't it? We need to write down the names of the people that we care about. Have you got a list? And we need to call their name out to God and pray over them till we see them come into the kingdom. Jan, my wife Jan and I had driven to Faustoria, Ohio. One of her cousins, far-flung cousin somewhere out in Virginia, had evidently doing a research on the family tree had found that Jan's and his great-grandfather and Great-grandmother had been buried over here in a cemetery in Faustoria. Jan wanted to see if we could find the grave, and so we drove to Faustoria. At one time, it had been a fancy cemetery, huge cemetery. It had a rock wall and drive, and you, you drove in between these big pillars of rock, beautiful laid out at one time. Searched around, and we found uh, the gravesite. When we left, we were heading back home before we got out of town. She said, really, I'd like for you to stop at that drugstore. I said, you need something? She said, yes, the restroom. I said, well, I don't know what they sell for, but I'll drop you off. So we pulled in, and she jumped out and raced inside, and little bit came back out and climbed in the car and reached for her phone and it couldn't be found. She searched through her bag and it wasn't in the bag. We tore the car apart and couldn't find that crazy phone. I dialed the number and no rings. I like preaching and nobody's there. <laughs> I felt right at home. Boy, she was frantic. All this information that she had on the phone, and you lose the phone, and she wasn't sure she'd ever get it all, and she jumped out of the car and raced back in, and she hollered back at me, keep ringing my phone, keep calling me. She started down the aisles that she had gone down and looked on any shelf that she had looked at, and 
Then she remembered she'd gone to the restroom, so she went back to the restroom, one of those unisex restrooms. You've seen them, haven't you? And men or women, and whatever y'all want to be. And so when she tried the door, it was locked. Somebody was in it. By this time, I rang again, and she heard the phone ringing <laughs> inside the restroom. Pretty soon the door opened and out came this great big guy. He was had. She said, you got my phone. He didn't say anything. She said, I heard it ring. Very sheepishly, he pulled out the phone and reluctantly handed it to her. She came back to the car and she was so relieved. She was so excited. She said, honey, I got my phone. I'm relieved. I wonder what Jesus feels when something is lost. I think I can tell you how he feels. May not be a phone, but it's a soul that's lost. And I think I can prove it. It's Luke 15, verse 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it out on his shoulders rejoicing. If every church would evaluate what it does and everything that we do and every dollar that we spend in light of the one lost, not the 99. We spend our time trying to please the 99. Be sure the seat's just right. Be sure we use the right songs or we'll upset them. Be sure their name is mentioned. We appease and we applaud and we placate the 99. But what about that one that's lost? Jesus said, I'm going to leave this crowd and I'm going out after the one that's, that's lost. Doesn't matter how long it takes. Doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter how far I have to go. I'm going to look for the one that's lost. I believe here's what he's saying today. There's only two reasons why you're here on earth. To know him. And to make him known. It's not about your agenda. It's not about our little denomination. It's not about our buildings. It's about reaching the lost and making Jesus Christ known. You better be sure you know him. I, I'm telling you, if there's question marks that need to be rubbed out and a period be put behind your name, some of you better get that question mark rubbed out. You better know him. And from that point on, you better make him known to others. Father. Thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's pastor, Ray LaSalle. For more information regarding BNC, visit BusirisNazarene.org.